Hey everyone, Justin here with Whitetail Theories Podcast, continuing on uh, with some duck hunting content. Um, back on the mic, we have Sean Trump of Northern Timber Outfitters. What's going on, Sean? Not much, Justin. How's things going? It's going good, man. We got duck season opening up here very soon, a uh, couple more weeks. Um, I know dove season's opening up shortly in a lot of the country. You know, we oh, got you, our, you don't gotta remind me. <laughs> we got our western hunters are, are venturing out west. We've got, uh, you know, geese about to be put down. We got gator hunting. It's it's starting to starting to shape up to a, a pretty exciting season. Yeah, I actually, um, Corey and I went and checked out one of our dove spots last Saturday, and uh, we actually were checking out the field that we wanted to hunt. And we bought a new camera over the summer and haven't really got the chance to use it. And um, we took it up play shooting back in like July and found that it was a little harder than we anticipated to follow like the clays and stuff. So we wanted to make sure, you know, like we got a little practice in with it. And it was just awesome seeing seeing the numbers of doves we were seeing and stuff. And then, um, you know, I jumped on some some basically some network scouting for geese and what i mean by that is you know i i know people and stuff and you know for any waterfowl hunter the best kind of scouting sometimes is network and talking with people making those friendships and stuff and and figuring out you know who you can who you can get connected with to hunt and uh you know how you guys can help each other out so you guys both have a good hunt and uh i got uh talking with a buddy he's got some spots we can hunt geese um i actually got permission for a farm so it's it's going good and then went up to cabela's yesterday got some new arrows for my bow i was shooting this morning and uh picked up some last minute gear that i needed for dove and goose season so we're uh we're getting ready here nice last minute but we're getting ready (laughs) hey you know what it sounds like you're more ahead than you usually are (laughs) yeah um but so this episode is about decoys and concealment. So me and Sean were talking, a lot of stuff thrown this month as far as webinars and podcasts on duck hunting. We've talked about field duck hunting. We've talked about uh, waterfowl basics. Um, We've literally done most of this month has been centered around waterfowl. Now, Sean is going to get some videos out soon of calling, but we figured instead of doing a podcast episode on calling after we talked about it a little more, it seems like decoys and concealment um, is a big topic in the waterfowl world, um, but also um, something that can definitely be touched on to help people improve their, uh, their skill level there. Yeah. Justin and I talked and we decided that, you know, I was basically explaining to him, like, we can do an episode on calling because that's what we're going to do. I said, but I feel like sometimes that's better done through videos because, you know, your your hand movement and stuff matters when you call what you're doing and all matters. Right. Body language, all that's huge. Yes. So I, I decided, like, hey, decoys are one of the most overthought things when it comes to waterfowl hunting. And concealment sometimes is one of the things that can be overlooked the most. So I figured since we talked about, you know, waterfowl basics, pretty much the next step is decoys and concealment. Because realistically, if you got your decoy spread good and you're concealed like as best you can be, you know, you're calling. You might not even have to call. 
and you will be able to kill birds. So I figured this would be a good way to kind of piggyback off the waterfowl basics and go into, you know, into this a little further. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Awesome, man. And this is definitely something as a new waterfowl hunter myself, I'm super excited to hear. So I guess let's start off with, I mean, I, w I guess we would put, um, you know, concealment first over decoys. So let's, I know you're putting the decoys out, but let's talk about concealment. Let's jump into that. So I'll just let you kind of just take it away, brother. Yeah. So one thing people kind of always underthink is concealment. They'll settle for good enough more than they'll settle for there's no, you know, that's too good. Like, there's no way that ducks are going to see us, you know. They, ah, that's good enough. They shouldn't see us, you know. And I'm, I'm stressing this because I've learned over time that concealment is one of the things you want to make sure that you do the best and you want to make sure you do it the most because if the birds see you, it doesn't matter how good your decoys are, it doesn't matter how good your calling is. A lot of times if those birds see you and they can see really well, they're not going to finish. They might not even work. So, and when I first got into waterfowl hunting, concealment was not always something that I really put a lot of time and effort into. Um, and part of that was, you know, like the first couple of times I went out, we really didn't have a hide or anything. You know, we were just kind of trying to, you know, hide in with like the natural cover and we killed a couple birds and it was kind of like, ah, cool. Like, look, they didn't even see us. You know, we weren't even in a hide. And now it's like, now that I hunt more, it's like, no, we need to be hidden as best we can. And I have almost every type of blind there is when it comes to waterfowl hunting. We have layouts. We have an A-frame. We have boat blinds. You know, we have um, hay bale blinds. We have pretty much everything. And the other reason why we have that is because this way we can adapt to the situation. Um, you know, waterfowl, they're on the move and, you know, they could be in one place one day and another the next. So to start this out, I want to run through the different types of blinds that there are um, and the applications you can use them for. And uh, we'll, we'll start with that because that's a pretty good place to start and know as a new waterfowl hunter what is out there and you know, depending on where you're hunting, what's going to work best for you. Nah, that's great, man. So you mentioned uh, a few different types of blinds. I'm not sure. Um, hopefully I don't throw you off track of, of where you were going with this, but um, would you mind explaining the different types of blinds you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I really want to dive into here. So we'll start with, um, since, you know, I focus a lot on duck hunting, we'll start with kind of the, one of the most popular, blinds for all around hunting you can use them for hunting a river for ducks you can use them for hunting fields for geese and ducks um and that's the a-frame and these blinds they're like the new hot blind is people are raving about a-frames everybody's coming out with a-frames you know i know dive bomb just released one um and people love them and they're great they're a great blind to have in your repertoire for waterfowl hunting because they can be used in, in dry fields they can be used on a river bank they can be used on an island on a river they can be used on the bank of a pond and an a-frame blind is pretty much exactly what it sounds like it's basically a blind that has a frame that's almost shaped like an a it has four sides on it um the top is open you and like 
depending on which one you get, they make ones from two people to like Drake Waterfowl has a clubhouse blind. Um, and it's an A-frame, but it's not, and it's classified in the A-frame category, but it's not shaped like an A-frame. It's more like a, like a bale. Um, but it holds six people, you know, and it's adjustable. You can sit in it, you can stand in it. Like there is just so much out there for A-frames. Um, but they're great because they're, they're, pretty easy to transport um i know we have one and we made the decision the other day that we're going to go ahead and we're just going to grass it in with grass because mainly what we're going to be hunting for early season goose right now is grass fields um they haven't really started cutting any ag fields up here and i was like well we're gonna have to brush it in so let's brush it in with grass i said and then let's just leave it we have we're we're spoiled in the fact that we can transport the blind set up both in the truck and in the boat because we have three boats and we have three trucks. There's enough, there's enough um, vehicles to transport port the blind hole so that we don't have to set it up in the dark and stuff. But, you know, like I said, you can use them in the field. Uh, they work great a lot of times with fields that have hay bales, with fields that have um, like a fence row. Um, I know sometimes, especially around here, a lot of times there'll be like 10 foot wide sections in fields where they don't cut it and it's just standing grass that's, you know, chest high. And I mean, that's like a perfect place to put an A-frame because that's a, they're not even quite chest high and that's about, you know, the height of that grass and you can kind of just disappear in that stuff with them. Um, they're a lot more comfortable than some of the other blinds in the sense that you can sit in a chair and, um, you know, you're not laying down, you're not, you know, sitting on the ground. Um, so they're, they're a really good blind to have. And, uh, you know, be, there's so many out there. There's so many blinds out there for A-frames to choose from. But you have to kind of, you know, look at who am I, one, who am I hunting with? Is it just me? Is it me and a buddy? You know, because they make them from one person to six people, like I said. And what, um, are, the, what are they roughly running? Uh, for a cheap one and then the state-of-the-art one just going roughly so if you were to go and i'm going to use drake as a reference point because um you know i i use drake gear the most and stuff and i was actually just looking at these yesterday so this is fresh in my mind um the drake six-man clubhouse blind is about 750 dollars that holds six guys, though. That's a really big blind. Um, and there might even be a couple other ones that might be more expensive than that. On your low end, um, I know Cabela's makes one. Rogers makes one. Um, there might be one or two other ones out there that are around that three, $400 mark. Drake has one that's around that. Um, I think Drake even has, like, a one-man, like, chair slash blind thing yeah they do and it's like a chair with a blind around it um that can be used in standing water and the field and that one's i think somewhere around like the 250 dollar mark okay. so you know you gotta read you gotta read reviews <clears throat> on it and stuff um but there's there's a lot of different options out there and uh you know you find what's going to work best for you look at where you're hunting look at who you're hunting with and, you know, hey, maybe you can't go out. Maybe you're going to have four buddies with you. But it's like, you know, hey, I, I can't 
put out $500 for a four-man A-frame, you know, talk with your buddies. Be like, hey, listen, I heard, you know, this blind would be really good. It's very versatile for waterfowl hunting. Do you guys want to, you know, hey, you guys want to go in on this? Like, you know, weigh your options out when it comes to these because they're a versatile blind. Um, there's a reason there's a big craze behind them right now. And, you know, they're, they're the hot thing right now. And that's because they work really well. Um, I mean, I'm sure over time, eventually, they're going to fade out uh, in the sense that something new will come out. And, uh, you know, just like everything else, eventually birds get used to, like, picking that stuff out. And that's where you got to do, do the work to make sure you're concealed even better and you're outsmarting them. Now, let me ask you from, from um, this is a perspective of someone who doesn't know much about waterfowl hunting, what, what would you say is, like, the main <clears throat> – you might have already answered this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, you know, yeah, go right ahead. So what, what is the main difference between using that now? I mean, obviously products get better technology. We all know that, especially people that are in the industry, you know, we hear the word innovation thrown around probably more than it should, but, um, you know, obviously these things are just tools to make things more comfortable. Um, I wouldn't even go so much as singing better. I think a lot of good gear just makes you more comfortable and maybe more confident, but, um, that's a whole another rabbit hole for another day. But what would you say is the main difference in, you know, using an A-frame now as opposed to how you used to waterfowl hunt then? Um, the A-frame allows us to hunt places that we might not have hunted before for two reasons one there might be <clears throat> excuse me there might be um a lack of like cover but like the other thing is too is sometimes there's plenty of cover but there's not stuff for us to make like a natural blind out of or there's not the opportunity to make a natural blind that's going to conceal us well enough to fool birds um, so what, like, I guess you're meaning like, you know, if you go to a public land river spot and let's just say it's a little opening right there, maybe some oaks around you and you throw a bunch of, I'm in Florida, so I'll use Florida stuff. For example, you take a bunch of palm fronds and you just make you a big pile. Obviously the waterfowl, I guess, get, get smart to that. Yeah. I mean, no, they might get smart to that, but like the other thing is like, say you go to that public land river spot and you know. You're not allowed to like cut stuff, you know. I know some places you can't like cut down bushes and stuff and all. So, I gotcha. Um, if you're in a spot like that where maybe you can't like cut brush to like stack up and make a makeshift blind, this would work well because you can just find little stuff, you know. This, you know, there's some branches here that are smaller, there's some. You know, there's some dead grass here, and you can fill in the blind with that because they have, um, they have brush loops on them so that you can stuff that brush in there and you can fill that in and you can be concealed with that. And, um, you know, the other thing is too, they have, they all have a, uh, a cover that goes on them. You know, some of them are camouflage, some of them are just a dark Brown. And, uh, you know, so that kind of adds to that concealment factor of you can move in it and there's not going to be like any holes through the brush oh, that you yeah. miss that I'm the birds right can now. see. Um, I yeah. just Googled it. I just, like I said, I'm not a waterfowl hunter. Uh, you know, if anything, I, I turkey hunt more than I do anything. I'm looking at it right now. This is legit. I'm looking at one from, looks like Avion has one. It's 400 bucks. Um, that one looks like a hail, uh, a hay bale. 
Yeah, there's there's a ton of different styles out there. They okay. all have kind of their own. It's just a um, blind. It's a it's a it's a house style blind. Is what it yeah. looks like. Now, do they come in sections? Like, how do they how do they piece so, together? Here's here's that's that's the other nice thing about a frames. Say, um, you know, say you, your buddy has one, and it's like, okay, you're gonna look at buying one. You want to try and get the same one he has, <clears throat> if you can, for for pretty much only one reason it'll be the same shape uh, but that's the nice you. thing about a-frames say you got i don't know say you and you know eight buddies are going to go out so you need three a-frames you know you would need to be able to hide eight guys you know say you're going to go hunt field yeah field and stuff and you got to hide eight people if you get three three man a-frames or two four man a-frames you can just put them you know side by side and you can put them next to each other on the ends and butt the ends up to each other and you know it's a big a frame now how, so, how much are you like right now like with your average you know like this season for example how many guys are you going out with uh for your size a frame you have so right now um it's it's always gonna pretty much be it'll always be me Corey, and zach like okay, that's a given so like if we three. go out it's a minimum of three there's okay, a minimum okay. of three people and, and what size are you rock i'm just getting this all in perspective because i'm looking at the pictures now what it, so for three man what kind of a-frame are you rocking there we are rocking a redneck lines a-frame Corey picked it up used um over the off season and um i really like it it's a nice blind and stuff the front of it uh, pops open so when you go to shoot you just push the front open and pull up and it gives you a lot more area to shoot um but then other than that it keeps you really concealed looks like it's but, nice to keep the snakes away too on this one right here i'm looking at but hey what's um so let me ask you this what do you what are you doing to prepare i know we're coming down a rabbit hole but i feel like this is uh it's some important questions when it comes to a-frames especially if you said it's so popular right now what what are you doing for setup as far as are you putting it in the night before? Are you putting it in the day of? Like what what are you doing uh, for time? Like putting so, time for that. They typically don't take a lot of time to put together. Um, like Fifteen thirty. No, they take. I would say they probably take less than ten minutes to put it together. Okay. Um, so it's like a blind. It's like a deer yeah, hunting blind. Yeah. So. Um, if you buy one new, typically they come with like a bag to put the metal sections in, uh-huh. um, I believe. Um, and then like the actual cover for it rolls up. So like that's one nice thing about it. And that was one of the reasons why like I told Corey, like, hey, let's grasp this thing in now. Because if we have to take it down, the cover just rolls up. You know, we're going to just put a bunch of like tall like field grass in it. Right. But this way, when we go out, it's like, okay, we leave the field grass in it, but we just got to blend in with natural foliage. It'll save a lot of time on brushing the blind in itself. Um, but realistically, it doesn't take that long. I know the Drake one, I think, takes less than five minutes to put together. Man, that's legit. Um, and now, one guy can carry this in, it looks like. Yeah, you could carry it in one guy. It'd be helpful to have two because it's like you got to carry the sections right, and the right. thing. But if it's together, like say, you know, okay, you and some buddies are going to go hunt this field and you just throw it in the back of the truck and maybe your other buddies bring his truck that you got all your goose decoys in or right. you have a trailer and you can leave it set up in the trailer. I mean, one person can just carry it and just walk it out into the field. 
Okay. So. No, that's a, that's cool, man. That give everyone a good visual here. I know this is a podcast. We don't, you know, not yet. We haven't. We don't do visual uh, podcasts. Hoping to probably do that in the future. But um, I just wanted to make sure, especially uh, people that are getting into it, like what to kind of really expect. Because you know, it would suck to hear this whole podcast go out there and you need five guys to put this together every time, and it's just you, your boy, and maybe a friend here and there. You could put it together by yourself. Okay. You could cool. you know you could do it, but. Um, depending on your hunting situation and stuff, if you're hunting by yourself, it might not be the best thing only in the sense that it's like, you have to take time put it together and do your decoys and, you know, but you said they those. have single, they have single person ones too, though. Yes. Drake makes a single person one. I'll it's actually right a chair now. with a blind around it. Dang Drake. Yeah, I might have to check them out. I, uh, I'm just getting into waterfowl, you know, like I always mentioned. Oh no, not, not Drake the singer. <laughs> so and, uh, oh, and if anybody wants to get drake stuff talk to me first because i can recommend stuff that i would i you know like hey like for what you're doing this is what you want to get you know i've used their products and stuff and i know what works best for depending on what you're doing so you know if any of you guys are interested in drake stuff oh you know hit me up first and i can help point you in the right direction for what you're oh yeah for. that's legit i'm looking at it now so Okay, well, I mean, I mean, feel free, obviously, to add anything else with that, but I feel like that covers A-frames really well, um, especially from my beginner perspective hearing it. Um, but what, I mean, did we touch on, I know you mentioned some other um, yes. so concealment. I'm going to keep it rolling with the blinds here for a minute. Um, since we just talked about A-frames, probably the next hottest thing other than A-frames are panel blinds, and this is going to be real short. Um, because panel blinds are a lot like A-frames. You can actually take two panel blinds and put them together, and it basically makes an A-frame. Um, but panel blinds are basically, um, you can buy panel sections and add them in, but a lot of times they come in like two or maybe three sections, depending on how big you go. And it's pretty simple. It's three panels. They're like maybe two and a half feet by two and a half feet, and then they have two wings on the end that come backwards and it's, you know, it's just a panel that sits in front of you. And if you put the two of them together, you, you know, if you put two, three man, you know, a three man panel blind and then you get another three man panel blind and you put them back to back, you have an A-frame. Um, they're nice sometimes for like fields and stuff. If you're hunting like against a fence row, um, you can kind of keep your profile a little lower and just put the panel blind up and use the actual fence row or something as as not like a natural backing um but they're pretty similar to the a-frame they're just a little there's not as much setup involved a lot of times and uh they're just they're a little different but they're they're a pretty popular thing too but i just want to touch on those briefly because um they are a blind that's out there that's available a lot of times they can be a little cheaper option um okay and but they're very similar to the A-frame, and like I said, if you get two of them and put them together, you can make an A-frame out of them. Nice, nice. And then okay, so you've touched on A-frames. We've got um, uh, I'm sorry, what did you, what did you call those panel blinds? Panel blinds, panel yep. blinds. And and what was the other one you had? You had two right, more, so, right? Yes. Well, I got probably like three more, but oh, we'll nice. jump into the next one. Um. The next big one's going to be layouts and layout blinds. They're 
they're just they're they're a pretty old style line in the sense that they've been around for quite some time but they've gotten pretty innovative with them you know i have one layout line that's basically just like a like a giant sleeping bag you sit in and it's got or lay in and it's got two doors that fold down over top of you and it's a great inexpensive option but i actually just picked up a new layout yesterday that has a frame system around your upper body so that that way when you close those blind doors over top of you and you're laying down you can work your calls you can move around a little bit and you're not moving the blind but layouts are a great blind for fields especially big open fields where there isn't a lot of you know like a fence row or cover to put like an a-frame up you know you get those layouts in there you brush them in really 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 well um, because you're going to be laying in the decoys in this blind. And I like using the layouts over the A-frames for field hunting for the specific fact that I can, um, I get to lay right under the birds as they're working. I'm yeah, laying I'm right under them right them. now. So it's, it's, it's literally, it's like a canoe. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a coffin that you're laying coffin, in. That's, yep. Yep. yep so, I'm looking at them now. That's legit. So we have... We have layouts and um, Corey and I had like the, the non-frame style, you know, they had the frame for the backrest and they had a little frame bar that went over your knees to help hold the blind up off of it and kind of rest your gun on. Um, oh, but we cool, went yeah. with the framed ones cause you can move around a little more. It's a little easier to call a little easier to keep your blind doors closed um, and stuff and flare, flare the birds. And, uh, you know, we like using them. A lot of the fields we hunt, we don't have the opportunity to, um, you know, set up on like a fence row or something. And a lot of times if you try and set up like on the edge of, of, of woods, like a hardwoods or something, geese aren't going to do it into the, into where you're at for the simple reason. They don't like to decoy to big patches of woods to the side of them because it puts them at risk for predators. Yeah, so, I would say that's where they're going to be lurking is right on that field edge. I mean, you're going to even when a turkey comes out the roost at a field, he goes, you know, he fly, he doesn't fly right to the edge. He'll fly into the field and then work his way back to the edge. Yeah. So, they have, you know, they have their own applications. Um they can they can be less expensive. Um some of your high-end A-frame or A-frames layouts are going to go for like 400 bucks or so. Um like there's some out there, they're fully framed. They have cup holders in them. Like they're, you know, they're legit. I could see them getting fancy. Stuff. They probably got feet. I'm looking at them now. They're pretty legit, but it definitely, I can definitely get why you're saying fields are, are better for these just because the type of coffin design where you can watch the birds work above you. That's what you mean when you. And they're a very low profile. So like if you right. have a big, if you have a big open cornfield and you're going to set up in it, and, you know, say you're in like a, I don't know, we'll say a 30-acre cornfield. And I'm just using that as a reference. You know, you're in a 30-acre cornfield, but it's surrounded by big trees. The place you're probably going to want to be, especially if you're not um, like on an X, if you're going to be running traffic for geese and trying to pull birds off of their flight path and get them to come into your decoys and make them think there's food there and stuff, um, you're going to try and want to try and be in the middle of that field. So an A-frame's not going to work necessarily because it's a gigantic flat cornfield. Other than the corn stubble, it's flat. And then you're going to go and put this three and a half foot tall box in the middle of it. And 
it's not going to look natural where no, if you bring, if you and three buddies go out there with your layouts and you get them kind of close together, you brush them in, you got to brush them in really well. Corn, corn stubbles, probably one of the easiest applications for a layout blind in the sense that, um, you know, corn stubble, usually the actual corn stalks and stuff that are still left standing um, where they didn't get cut to the ground are going to be about the same height as the top of your layout. So you'll kind of be below, you know, the higher stuff in the field. Um, but the biggest thing with layouts is unless you get like the Alps zero gravity layout, you have these hard edges. And in nature, there's none of these hard defined edges. And this is the same with every blind. It doesn't matter if we're talking an A-frame, a panel blind, a boat blind, a layout. In nature, there's no hard defined edges that, you know, there's nothing that's a perfect square in nature. You know, there right, there is right. naturally there's nothing that's like that. So like when you have a layout blind, um, you know, and you're trying to stay real low profile in that field and you're really trying to fool those birds, when they come in, they're looking at your decoys. That's what they're doing. They're looking at your decoys and your blind's gonna be, you know, in your decoys somewhere or, you know, roughly in that general area. So if you don't brush it in well enough, it's easier for them to pick you out because that's what they're focused on is they're focused right, on right. this. So, you know, like the blinds, they're kind of like a square shape, you know, like a rectangle, like a coffin, um, except for the Alps zero gravity blind um, actually kind of has wings that come out and I think they stake into the ground so it basically creates a smooth transition from the ground to your blind and then back down on on either side so it gets rid of those hard defined edges of your blind but you can get rid of those you just have to brush it in well <coughs> excuse me well now, enough how would you uh, this is gonna be a little rabbit hole I, it popped into my head when you were when you were talking about that, those hard edges but how, what would you say, you know, we always talk about, you know, as a turkey hunter in the turkey hunting world, we, we always talk about educating birds. So, you know, I educated a, one this year myself when I missed them and stood looking at them while he flew away with a dumb look on my face. Uh, mm -hmm. But what would you say, how much does education of birds play into that when it comes to waterfowl? I mean, there's obviously times where people have shot at waterfowl and have missed and they've gotten away or maybe slightly wounded i don't know if it was you or someone else i was talking about that there's a local park and it has a wounded duck there from a season or something that lives there and you can clearly tell it's you know it's got a wing oh i'm sorry it was it was a snow it was a snow goose and it was stuck and it would it didn't leave when it was time for it to leave for the season and they can yeah. tell it was wounded and like you know set up shop at a like a neighborhood pond or something but well how does education play into that so obviously, no matter what you do with waterfowl, um, you know, if you have a flock of 40 geese come in and you got three buddies and your guys limits, even if your guys limits eight or five or whatever it is, you know, you're probably realistically, you might knock one or two down birds down a piece, you know, but the bottom line is even if you got if four of you, okay, each killed a bird, all every shot you guys took, you would only knock down 12 birds so you're only knocking down about you know 25 percent of the birds of that flock and then those birds are educated but that's where it's just you have to do everything you can to fool those birds 
to thinking that's a real goose spread. That's a real duck spread that, you know, that's real. Right. I'm going to land there. So always treat waterfowl like they are the most educated birds there are. And it can be done. You know, it, it, you can fool them. Um, you got to remember, while, yes, there is new waterfowl that are born and raised each year and they live to fly the flyways and stuff. There's also really old waterfowl that have seen a lot. And, you know, this past season, there was a mallard that I think was 23 years old, roughly. It was banded in, I want to say Wyoming. And it was shot in Maine. Now, just let's just say it's 20 years old. That's 20 hunting seasons that bird has seen. That's probably hundreds of decoy spreads that bird has seen, right. avoided. But it still ended up getting fooled and getting shot. So you can do it. But I always go into just these birds are educated. They're going to know. They're going to see us. So what can we do to make sure that they think it's real they believe it you know you have to make them believe that they're landing with real birds that's that's the whole thing you're trying to do when you're decoying waterfowl is make them think that you're real birds so that is why i wanted to touch on concealment before we went to decoys in the sense that the biggest thing to fooling them is going to be your concealment because you know, your decoy spread matters, but doesn't matter as much as concealment does, because if you're not concealed enough, as soon as they pick that out, it doesn't matter. You could have the best decoy spread in the world. You could have, you know, if you're hunting Canada's and you got, you know, the perfect spread, they're all fully flocked, brand new decoys. They literally look like real geese and your calling is great and everything. They pick out one little thing that doesn't look right with your concealment. And it, they're gone. They're out. They're like, nope, that right. No, that doesn't look right. We're leaving. We're out of here. You know, round it up, yeah. boys. Dang, I bet you that's disappointing. I, I'm yet to see that disappointment. I know it's going to eventually happen, especially. I've got three waterfowl hunting trips uh, in the north, um, northwest, and northeast. So I'm sure disappointment will eventually hit me. Or if not, you're not hunting enough. Uh, but I bet you that's a that's a sad time when you watch things turn around or ninety degree angle it from you. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, um, and this is I learned the hard way. Well, we learned the hard way last year with concealment. Um, we set up in this field. We were trafficking birds into our spread. Um, we were in a good location. It was a bean stubble field. They weren't feeding there, but it was a big field. Um, it was near some golf courses, the state penitentiary that's got <clears throat> tons and tons of acres of cornfields on it. Wasn't far as like a mile away. We had a cold North wind birds are moving in. <clears throat> we probably decoyed 15 flocks of birds, but they kept it right when they were getting ready to finish. It was like, Nope, didn't seal the deal. And it was like, well, <clears throat> what is it? What is it? And I was telling my buddy, like, he lives out in Colorado and he hunts tons of geese. I was telling him, I was like, yeah, like, I think, I don't know if we just didn't have enough decoys or our spread wasn't realistic enough. Like, I don't know what it was. Um, and he's like, it was probably your hide. He's like, I can almost guarantee you it was your hide. You know, you weren't concealed enough for those birds. And, um, and he was probably right. He probably was right. We just weren't concealed enough. We didn't 
hide ourselves well enough to seal the deal on the birds to make them think, hey, there's not people there. Let's land there. So that's the biggest thing with waterfowl. And that's why I wanted to touch on this is because if you have to make yourself invisible, you have to make them think that you're not there. And it's just ducks or just geese there. Um, so, you now, know, you how, always want to overdo concealment. Now, let me ask you, how would you do that? Let's just say, I mean, I know you guys probably don't have much of this terrain, but let's just say me, for example, what would you say to someone like me in the South um, that's hunting, you know, cypress, uh, cypress swamps and, you know, you're going to be after wood ducks. How, what kind of Now, are you hunting flooded timber? So I'll be, it'll be flooded timber, yeah. Okay, so actually, most of the ways people hunt flooded timber is you're actually, you know, they get like the timber, like the bottomlands or the timber camo patterns and right. stuff, and they just hug a tree. You hug a tree, you stay kind of hidden, like almost behind that tree, and you work the birds in and stuff, and you're kind of back from your spread a little bit inside the timber. That's what um, I figured. Just, just a hair. But that's kind of how you do flooded timber. Um that's what and I'm thinking. That's you what can, I. That's you what can I've build been doing. blinds. You have to build a blind in there, really, to kind of have a blind to conceal yourself in. And I know that the people do do that, but like as far as like a, a portable waterfowl blind goes, there really isn't anything that um, you could apply to that. Depending on how much standing water is, maybe like I think some some of the A frames, like I know the Drake ones you can put in standing water and stuff. Um, you know, maybe you could get a boat blind in there depending, but the problem is, is then you're going to have something in there that just doesn't look natural where like when they build like this big, you know, like they build like an eight man blind in this flooded timber, they build that blind and then it just looks, they make it look like there's a giant brush pile there. So in a sense, it looks natural because it's like, Oh, it's just a brush pile, you right, know? Right. So, which is pretty, pretty common, much... you know, in these areas. I mean, I've just been hugging the tree for wood ducks. I've just been finding them, marking them, and then I'll go set up. And then when they fly in, you know, that's that's how I've been doing it. But you know, like I said, I'm just dipping my toe in it. Um, so I was just curious. It sounds like with the type of blinds you mentioned, you really need to be in either a field, river's edge, lakes. Ponds. Yeah, ponds, lakes. That's what they work really well for. And the biggest thing is, you know, like timbers try the tried and true way with timber is just hugging a tree. And it's awesome because it's like you're fooling birds and you're really not doing much. But it's kind of part of the experience. It's a it's a great experience. That's what it is. You know, so, um, yeah, those are kind of really the big field blinds or layouts, a frames, you know, bale blinds, panel blinds, stuff like that. Um but we'll jump into the next one to keep this rolling, and that's going to be uh, boat blinds. And um, boat blinds are great for when you're hunting water, you know, whether it's like a big body of water or a river bank or, you know, depending on what you're doing. Um, they're great for that because, you know, you don't have to really pick a you – can, you can be more mobile in the sense that – you can set up pretty much anywhere because you just park your boat and pop your blind up and, you know, you have to brush them in still. Um, 
but you can kind of be a little bit more mobile in the sense that if this is where birds want to be, but there's nowhere on the bank to really set up like an A-frame, you can just park the boat, pop your blind up and stuff, and you can just hunt from the boat. Um, and the other thing that's nice about that too is, you know, say you set up an A-frame like on a riverbank. Well, then you got to hide your boat. And you don't want to hide your boat right there with you because it's like, well, wait a second. You know, it doesn't matter how hard, how well you hide it, then the birds are going to see this boat there. Or, you know, say you got to get the boat out of there to go retrieve a bird that kind of sailed out, you know, waves from here and stuff. You know, you got to uncover the boat and do all that. So you got to hide your boat when you're using an A-frame or something like on a riverbank. And, um, you know, kind of hide it down a little from you or up a little from you and stuff so with the boat blind you'll have to do that now the one downside to boat blinds is um if you have to go retrieve birds sometimes they can be hard to drive with them up so you have to put them down and then you have to put them back up now most of them are pretty simple they just kind of pop up or pop down um but you know, that would kind of be really the only downside to those. I know we, Corey bought a beaver tail blind for his boat and that blind is awesome um, for the boat. It pops up, you're concealed on all sides. It's windproof. Um, it kind of does away with the hard edges in the sense that the blind kind of, um, you know, is grad has a gradual like transition from the top of the blind to the actual deck of the boat where it's kind of um secured down um as long as you get the right size blind for your boat they have a motor cover that actually um covers up your your outboard and stuff so that, that way you know the motor's covered and it, it works really well um and they're they're really nice and we we use that a lot in jersey you know it 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 was just easy to use we're hunting the bay we just kind of pull up and you know we pop the blind up and stuff if we need to go get birds just fold the blind down real quick and it's like okay you know just drive out and get the birds so there you know we have one of those too and it's great for the right applications we can hunt anywhere on the river if we can't stand where we want to hunt as long as our decoy rates are good for where we want to hunt we just toss stuff out from the boat blind there and um set the boat blind up drop an anchor you know, do whatever we got to do and we can hunt there. So what, other, so is that, is that all the duck, um, yeah, I keep saying duck, is that all the waterfowl setups? I would say that's probably the biggest ones. The last one I really want to talk about was, you know, um, just makeshift natural blinds. But if you have some questions about anything we've talked about, let's ask them now before we transition into, into that. No, I think I'm good. Um, I think that's that's answers. I mean, a lot of questions that I had as a newbie. Hopefully, our listeners also, if y'all do have any questions on anything that was said, uh, just shoot me an email, uh, Justin at serviceside.com, or you know, comment it on here. Whatever's easiest. You can hit us up on the socials, um, or you can hit Sean up um, on his socials also, which we'll put all that at the end and in the show notes. Um, but definitely let us know. But yeah, I'm I'm all good, man. We can keep trucking. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and if, if anybody has any questions, like, you can personally hit me up and be like, hey, listen, I'm hunting this, I'm hunting that, you know, this is who I'm hunting with. 
what blind would you recommend going with? And, you know, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. My life is waterfowl hunting. I spend free, every free minute I have, I'm reading this, I'm reading that. You know, I, I probably looked at every, almost every type of blind they make and stuff because it's like, okay, what's going to work best for what we're doing and, you know, what's going to be the most convenient for us. So if you guys have any questions like, Hey, like what blind should I use if I'm doing this? You know, shoot me a message on Facebook and be like, hey, Sean, man, you know, this is what I got going on. What do you recommend? And and I probably can tell you, like, hey, listen, this is probably going to be your best bet for what you're doing. Um, but let's jump into natural blinds. So you don't always have to build a natural blind. If you can, you know, say you're hunting a river and on the front of this big island, there's this huge brush pile of logs. Now, depending on where you are, you know what time of year it is maybe you want to double check there's no snakes or whatever in there but i've had it where it's like there's a huge brush pile and it was like great we kind of just hid away in the brush pile and it worked it worked great we killed ducks um but you can also just build blinds you know river banks are great rivers are great for this because so much stuff gets washed down the rivers and all a lot of times there's a bountiful amount of stuff to make your own blind out of the natural brush and just kind of look like a brush pile on the riverbank and stuff and you know that sometimes will work really really well um and you'll be able to kill birds you know you don't have to spend the money on a blind you don't have to bring the blind with you but that takes more time to do a lot of times than if you brought your own blind of some kind with you. So always take that into consideration when you're building, you know, a natural blind and stuff. The other thing is too, is make sure that like, if you're going to build one and say, you know, I brought a little handsaw with me, I'm going to cut this, I'm going to cut that. Make sure it's legal for where you're at. Some places that's illegal to do. Um, so always take that stuff into consideration. But you know, the biggest thing is, is, is time management. If you are like, okay, we're going to go hunt this spot, but we got to get there and build a blind. I can tell you right now, if you have one or two guys working on a blind, it's probably going to take at least 30 minutes to build a really good concealing blind for waterfowl. Um, so either make sure you guys have a plan when you get there, before you get there, like, hey, you two work on the blind, I'll throw the decoys out and stow the boat and get all that set and, and have a game plan so that everybody can be doing what they need to do. And that way it's not, ducks are coming in, it's, it's shooting time and oh, you right. gotta get this blind finished. So time management is huge when you have to build your own blind because you need to make sure you allot yourself the time to build the blind. Well, it definitely sounds too, you know, it, a lot better when you have a team. I, I know when I went uh, to North Florida a couple of years ago uh, to hunt teal, we got there the day before, I think it was like the day after Thanksgiving, and we, um, or maybe it was the week before, I can't remember, it was sometime in November, but we, we went out uh, the day before, made, went into a, like a wetland prairie marsh type thing. Uh, and there was a big patch of like, you know, tall grass and, and stuff like that. Just a little circle right in the middle. We actually, it was perfect. We actually went out there, put the little seats that go into the, the mud and um, made a makeshift blind with 
you know, palm fronds and things like that. And it worked perfect. We got there, you know, super early the morning before, you know, two guys on one side, two guys on the other. It was almost like an island. Um, but we did that with four of us. And, you know, we all, it was private land. So we just had little, you know, wicked saws or whatever. And we cut palm fronds and, you know, it's Florida. So there's always foliage on the ground that you can use always. Right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you just got to make sure you, you allot yourself that time or, you know, do it the day before if you can do what you got to do. Well, we had birds all over us too, man. We, we had them to the point where they were just landing in front of us while they were all still flying in. It was, it was crazy, man. We all, we all shot some good birds that day. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, that's, those are the days where it's just like really fun and stuff. Oh, you look yeah. up, dude. And there'd be one landed right in front of you, just sitting there. Like that's how concealed we were, and it was it was crazy. I'd never seen nothing like that. I knew they fly in and we'd shoot them and things like that, but they were literally like landing and and you know ducking around in the water. Yeah, and that's how you know you did it right. That right there is how you know you did it right when they can't even tell you're there. Um. But if you don't have anything else on blinds, I do just want to touch on decoys yeah, really quick. Let's do it, we're at man. about we're at an hour, so you know I don't want to take this too long, but I want to touch on this too because you know I talked about blinds being one of the biggest, you know, concealment and blinds being one of the biggest things that is kind of underthought. Now, on the contrary, we're going to talk about decoys, which I feel like sometimes people overthink. Um, and what I mean by that is people, uh, it's got to be the decoys. That's why they're not finishing. It's got to be the decoys. Now, I already said it's probably your blind um, that's making them not finish. At the, if they're at the point where they're, like, about to finish and then they flare, it's probably not your decoys and it's not your calling. Because if they got to that point with your calling, then chances are it's probably, it's probably your blind, which is what we talked about. So um decoys don't overthink your decoy spread you know don't overthink it first of all if you don't know what to do for a decoy spread there's literally apps and there's pictures and ducks unlimited has articles on decoy spreads and they have diagrams and stuff um but just look at how birds are naturally in your area you know you can run six decoys and kill birds you know in places where there's hundreds of ducks it it works you know it will work just fine. Um, but with decoy spreads, you know, you just, the biggest thing is one, you want to make sure they're an appropriate distance from your blind. Um, and that wherever you want the birds to land is within your shooting range. That's the biggest thing. Um, I know one spread that worked really well for me on the river for years was a J hook. Um, and a J hook is just how it sounds. It's literally, you put like a string of decoys. Um, I always kind of like to run it the outside. Occasionally I would run it on the inside. And what I mean by that is, um, I would put my J at my furthest shooting point. So I would run it and I'd run it in a J facing upstream. Sometimes I do it downstream. Most of the time I did it upstream because here birds fly up river in the morning. Um, and I would run a J hook and I'd run it. It would be about 30 yards long and it would literally just be a string of decoys that went up and hooked like a J. And then I'd put some, you know, a couple here, a couple there along the bank and it would suck birds right in and it worked great. But then, you know, it kind of stopped working. So I had to try something new 
And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time looking. How do birds naturally look around here? Like when they're sitting on the side of the river, how do they look? And that's, you know, that's the best thing you can do for your decoy spread is try and replicate how your local birds are sitting, you know, on the water. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. People neglect the, de- people sometimes neglect those small things, man. They're like, I want the fanciest, nicest, everything, best of the best. And really it boils down to normally those small details of, well, how did that bird swim when it was sitting there? How did that bird look? What was it doing? How was it acting? Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's just, it's not something you want to overthink. You don't want to overthink your decoy spread. Because if you're overthinking and overdoing your decoy spread, chances are, you know, you're do- you're just doing too much. And it's, you know, like I said before, it might not be your decoys that are making those birds not finish. You know, right. so don't overthink, don't overdo your decoy spread. Obviously, if you're in an area where when you go out hunting, you're seeing a lot of singles and doubles and maybe a triple, you know, flocks of birds moving around. Don't run 52 decoys. Run like two dozen at the most, you know, and just, you know, I I personally prefer to work, you know, those small, those small groups like singles, doubles. It's, it's great because, one, it makes the hunt last longer. You know, if you get, if you and a buddy are out and you get, uh, we'll say, you know, for my for my area you're allowed two two mallards total um you know say you get two flocks of a dozen mallards that come in and each time you guys drop you each drop a bird you know you're done it's like oh cool 30 minute limit yeah <laughs> going home you just spent you just breakfast. got up at, <laughs> you got set up at you got up at three in the morning drove 40 minutes to your spot then had a 25 minute boat ride spent an hour setting up Okay, you got a gas station burrito. Okay, wreaking havoc on your stomach, and you're done. <laughs> like, like yeah, that's probably cool. Coffee. You know, it's like you know, send your buddy. Yeah, man, I we shot our mallard limit. You know, we got two birds in thirty minutes. It's like, uh, you know, all right, that's cool. It's like, but like you know, the bang ain't even cool. wore off yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like. You know, now you're exhausted for the rest of the day. And I mean, you know, we can only kill two mallards here. But I mean, I know my buddy down in Oklahoma, they they shoot, they've shot 30 minute limits before. Yeah. And it's like sometimes he's like, I almost don't like to do it because it's like I just put all this time. I got up early. I did all this to be done in 30 minutes. It's like, great. Yeah. Go home and take a nap. But like at that point, I'm already up. I'm awake. You know, it's like. I have stuff I got to do. We like now, the so thrill can... of the hunt, man. I'm the same yeah. way. I like the thrill of the hunt. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love when I go somewhere and when we get it done the first day, but I also ain't upset when you hit day three or four and that anxiety starts hitting and you start getting nervous. You're like, oh man, nothing's happening. What am I doing? You start second guessing yourself. Like I feel like you really push yourself in those moments, you know? Right. Which makes you better. Anytime you push yourself, you instantly get better it doesn't matter what you're doing if you push yourself ever to a point uh where you're uncomfortable you're out of that comfort zone even if it's just a foot out of the comfort zone you're always making yourself better so yeah but um you know decoys there's there's a lot involved with decoys we could sit here and talk about decoy brands we could talk decoy spreads and i mean we could do a five-hour podcast on decoy spreads and all the different spreads and when to use them and stuff just do your research on it. There's tons of articles about it. Ducks Unlimited has written dozens of articles about 
good decoy spreads. There's articles in the Waterfowl magazines. You can Google it. Um, <clears throat> just do your research on it. Try different stuff. Find where it works best for you. You know, <clears throat> if your hide is 200% and your calling is superb and they're just not working or something's not, you know, they're just not committing, try something new with the decoy spread. Don't ever be afraid to change your decoy spread. But, <clears throat> you know, if it's like you keep having birds almost finished, they're almost to the point where they're backpedaling decoys and they've given you three looks or they circle you three times and then they decide now nah, we're out of here. Chances are they saw something on that first or second pass and they wanted to make another pass to double check it. And they saw you. And on the last pass before they said, now nah, we're out of here. They confirmed that it was like, nah, this is fake. So don't sweat your decoy spread. But also don't be afraid to change it. You know, don't don't overthink it. That's that's the big thing with decoy spreads is don't overthink it and try and make them look as realistic as you can. Because, um, like I said, what you're doing is, is you're trying to fool those birds and make those birds think you're real birds. So as real as you can be, as concealed as you can be, you know, the better your hunting is going to be. Well, man, that's 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 a legit episode right there on uh, on concealment and, and decoys. Is there? I know we're at an hour. I'm cool, man. I'm on your time. You know, feel free if you want to touch on anything else. If not, it's definitely been a really really informative episode. As always, I, I love getting your perspective of things. Um, you know, and uh, we have a lot of service side members that are in that area. Um, so, you know, hopefully you guys all meet up. I think you're, you're supposed to be doing something, you know, soon, but did I, do you, is there anything else you want to touch on when it comes to, to decoy spreads? Um, not really, you know, I, like I said, I feel like they're like, we could go down a huge rabbit hole right, here. Always, it dude. might almost do more harm than good because, you know, I don't want to overload people with all this information and these spreads and stuff. And Dude, it's just that's like, why we keep it at an hour. They, people are like, how do you keep yeah. it all at an hour? I'm like, because you know what? You don't want to overload people. You want to you wanna plant the seed of things, give some knowledge, and we can always, always, we always take yeah. questions and stuff. Right. So. Like, I know there's there's whole podcast episodes out there where they're an hour and a half of talking to decoy spreads <laughs> and stuff. And it's like, right. yep. this is great because it's so much information, but at the same time, it's so much information. And like I said, you don't want to overthink it. For sure. You don't have to overthink it. You know, overthink your hide before you overthink your decoys. Because, you know, and it's just like, I don't want to give people like, uh, you know, this spread and that spread and use this here and do this there. And it's just like, you know, and then it's like, oh, you know, they're out there and it's like, oh, my gosh, those two those two flocks didn't finish. We got to change the decoy spread. Like, no, like that might not be it. You know, you kind of got to find works for you when it comes to decoys and stuff. You know, the biggest thing is, is just look at what's going on in your area. Be aware of the birds in your area um, when it comes to decoys and stuff. And, you know. I just that's that's really all I, I can say about that without you know going down that rabbit hole of decoy spreads and just giving information that I feel will almost be more harmful than it will be good um you know like I said so no that was know. great that was great man yeah. I, I like it and um for anyone like I said just reach out to us on the socials if you have any questions if you like us to get Sean on a webinar or get you on a podcast. He's always willing to jump on, but 
Sean, where can uh, everyone reach you? What is the best ways to reach you at Northern Timber Outfitters? Um, the best way is you can hit me up on the business uh, Facebook page, which if you don't know what that is, it's just Northern Timber Outfitters on Facebook. Um, you can message me there. You can message me on my personal messenger. Um, I almost prefer people message the business account because like I know when um, I did the decal trivia giveaways, everybody was in my personal thing. And the problem is, is I talk with a lot of my my um, suppliers and distributors and stuff on there. I talk with a lot of different people on there. I do a lot of networking. Um, so like I've had to go back and find like everybody for the decals and stuff like, OK, who did I talk to? Who did I get addresses yeah. from? Dude, and the other idea. thing is, is my personal messenger does this weird thing where if I don't talk to have like if a conversation gets old, some of them disappear. Now, all I got to do is search the person's name and it pops right back up. But if I don't remember who I talk to, you know, it, I sometimes I can't get it back. So if you message me, if, if you like and like the business page and you message me on there, it kind of keeps everything separated and organized in the sense that I can. um you know, I can make sure that like, okay, yes, I did talk to this person. I didn't. So, you know, feel free to message me on there. I know um, I have a text app for my phone that's set up for the business so that I can keep business texts and phone calls kind of separate. If you go on the website, go, which is www.northerntimberoutfitters. Um, if you go on the website and then you go to contact us, that number's right there. You can text me on that number. We can talk. You know, if I feel that you're somebody who's not going to harass me, which I don't think any of the service side <laughs> members would, Hunter I'll Robinson, probably just end you. up getting your name, you know, getting your name and giving you my personal number um, <clears throat> so that that way it's just through my text messages and stuff. Um, but I always like to kind of direct people there first because, you know, I'd rather give that number out and <laughs> And have somebody be a lunatic, then give out my personal number, and then it's like, oh, geez, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, you guys. Life can... of a small business owner slash yeah, working yeah, a full time job. <laughs> I, I, I have my personal phone number up on the website for like all like a month, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take that down just because it's like I don't want, you know. I get people from all over the place going on my website. It's like the last thing I want is somebody go on there and then they got my phone number and they won't leave me alone. Yeah, and you want to keep I, you want to always keep business separate from personal. Yeah. Just like you know, when I hunt on the weekends, even though working in the hunting industry, I hunt for me. I don't hunt for service side. I don't hunt for anyone else. I hunt for me. It's my time to just sit back, enjoy nature, focus on my personal growth. That's just as corny as it may sound. And I always keep the, the personal separate from business because if you don't, man, it gets all mixed and jumbled and yeah, you could lose stuff. Um, but also it, it has, you know, it can have some negative effects too. I, I definitely encur always encourage anyone with a small business to, you know, you want yeah, to keep and, a separate uh, line. Even if, yeah, you know, they have apps out and stuff now that, you know. Well, that's what, what you, I use. I use like a text now app or something. That's what I use. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's free and stuff, but you know, I get ads and all, but. I just use that. It's just easier. So, but yeah, you guys can Facebook message me. I don't care if you message my personal messenger. Um, if I don't get back to you real super fast on that one, or, you know, like you don't hear from me for a while, I'm probably not ignoring you. It's probably just that there's 15 different people that have messaged me and I'm talking with suppliers and stuff. Right. And I just didn't get back to you yet. So, dude, I say that all the time, man. Yeah. Dude, Ask I me anything that. you want. 
all the time, man, is, is it's never personal. You might just have to just hit me back up again. <laughs> right, right. Uh, cool. So, um, awesome, you know, man. and the other thing is, too, is my, uh, you know, my biggest work right now is custom work. That's why there's not a lot of stuff on the website. I've been so tied up with custom calls and stuff. And a lot of the times the way I talk to people is through my personal Facebook with that. And, you know, I'm talking to people who want calls and this and that on there. And so, you know, if I don't get back to you, I'm not ignoring you. You just got to give me some time. I get around to it um, and stuff. But, yeah, always feel free to hit me up with any questions. I'll answer them as best I can, point you in the best direction I can. Chances are, if I don't have the best answer for you, um, I'll probably do some research real quick and read some stuff and, you know, talk with the guys and we can come to a pretty, pretty good consensus on what would be beneficial for you. I think um, somebody ordered a call. I think it was Mark Campbell ordered a call. Um, oh, Mark Campbell. Yes. He oh, yeah. did. He's our guy. Somebody did recently. Yes, it was, it was him. I just got that sent out for him, but um, he had texted me because or he had Facebook messaged me because um, he's getting into waterfowl hunting and stuff, and he has these wooded ponds and stuff, and he was asking me questions about them. And, um, you know, he just, he's getting into it. He just, you know, he doesn't have the experience and stuff. So I was like, you know, I, I gave him my opinion of how I would set up on, on this water and stuff. If, even if it's questions like that, you know, right. I might know, I'm, I might, you know, I'm not, I haven't been waterfowl hunting 40 years, but I might be able to give you some insight that as a new waterfowler, you don't know because you don't have the experience, you know, even if you've been out two years, I might be able to give you something to try, like, hey, try this, this might work really well for that spot. So never be afraid to hit me up with any questions, guys, I'm always more than happy to help. Um, I know on September 3rd, I posted a a hunt like a hunt link i was hoping to get some people in southeastern pa together for a dove hunt maybe up around blue marsh um but i'm really trying to get out on some geese so if anybody in southeastern pa area wants to link up for a goose hunt um i got some spots can't guarantee anything but i tell fun. everybody yeah, yeah i tell everybody that you know, you can't predict what nature is no, going to do. dude, yeah. it, it's hunting, not killing. And anyone that thinks otherwise, I'll be the first one to say it. It's 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 hunting, not killing. Like you, yes. You know, so you might go out there and limit out like a crazy man, but then again, you might not see dip. It just, yeah, yeah. So, but I would love to get together on some well, new make hunts. a make a meetup, man. Get on the get on the website this weekend. Make a meetup and uh, yeah, or a hunt link. I, yeah, absolutely. I do want to get on there and do that because I would love to get out after it. Um, you know, the big thing I'm trying to get rolled out here is, is a line of goose calls and stuff. So it always is helpful when you can put a video together for YouTube and it's like, yeah, we're using our calls and stuff. Um, and, you know, chances are if like you if you hit me up and I'm like, hey, man, like, listen, you guys want to come out, you know, you and Corey and stuff want to come out and film the hunt and all. And, you know, I got this field. Chances are I'll probably throw you a call or something as well as bring our gear and stuff to help out just because you're helping me out. You know, that's how I look at things and stuff. And I know some of my friends and all who I know who do something all like I hit them up this year and be like, hey, listen, like I really want to get on some birds and film a good hunt with my calls. If you can get me out, like yeah, I'll throw you a call, you know. And it's and for me, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, throwing away a call in the sense, you know, so that's how some people look at it. But I look at it as, as an investment. So um, 
you know, I can't necessarily build you something custom because that wouldn't be fair for, you know, the giveaways we're doing. But I'll give you one of the, the line item calls and stuff that are going to go on the website or something. You know, guys want to get on and do something about some stuff. And, you know, I just I, I, I love the Serviceside community. I look at all you guys as family. You know, the hunting world can be cruel anymore with keyboard warriors and people who think they're big dogs and stuff. Um so, you know, and service side's not like that. You guys are all family to me there and all. So if anybody just wants to get together and hunt, whether we come there or you come here, you know, I'm always down for it. And, you know, just shoot me a message and say, hey, man, I want to get together and hunt. You know, we can just get together and hunt and we can, if we kill stuff, great. If not, it's just fun to, to hang out together and, and meet new people and stuff. You know, Justin and I always talk a lot about networking with people, and I do it a lot for my business, but as a hunter, one of the best things you can do is networking, you know, talking with people and stuff. Go into the hunting stores and just talk with the guys, you know, talk with other people in the hunting store. Don't be afraid to just, if you're in like, you know, say, you know, say you're in the hunting store, you're in Cabela's, you're in Sportsman's Warehouse, your local hunting shop, and you see somebody else you know, checking out some waterfowl stuff or some archery stuff and just start talking with them, strike up a conversation. Chances are they might be just like you and they're just like, you know, they're worried about how you're going to, you're going to react to them just starting to talk to you and stuff. And, you know, just, just strike up a conversation. You might make a new friend, you might make a new hunting buddy, you know, and sometimes too, one of the great things about making new hunting buddies and stuff is, you know, you guys can benefit from each other in the sense that they might be able to put you on birds or put you on this or put you on that. And you might be able to do it for them. It's kind of just like how our hunt link works. So don't be afraid to talk to new people and stuff. You know, in today's world, there's almost this elite class of hunters that's been created and it's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> um, and there's yeah. there's more people who are just out there to have fun. And that's what it's all about. It's just about having fun. For you sure, know? man. Don't, I tell don't be afraid all the time, people. man. That, that's that's <laughs> what service lines about. There's no, you know, there's no, you know, group of elite hunters. Honestly, I think, you know, most of the people that are on television and stuff you see, they have the money to pay for that to do it. No one's out there getting paid to hunt. You know, they're either selling yeah. something. We're actually doing a podcast episode on this. Um, we're actually doing a podcast episode on um, getting into the industry. So I have some guys that are jumping on a pod that, you know, started out, you know, just doing some filming here and there and then ended up getting jobs in the industry. They're going to be talking about the myths and the misconceptions and, and what the industry is really about. I mean, once you get into, you know, the meat and potatoes of it all, it boils down to networking. And I tell anyone yeah. that joins service side, um, you know, at the end of the day, the the reason no one's putting this out there for free is because they can't do it for free. It ha- you know, we're a membership type program. Um, we do screen every single person that comes in and we are very exclusive. Um, you know, to get to a thousand members where we're at, we're at a thousand active members in all 50 states. And um, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know what? It's it's the networking, the people that do the best in service site and the people that get 10 times the amount they put in are the people who literally go for it, network, meet people. I know guys that they don't want to meet 20 guys and hunt all over the country, but they want to meet that one and maybe you know, you're in Pennsylvania, so I've got a buddy that's in Pennsylvania. Me and him hunt every year. I go there and hunt with him. He comes down to Florida and hunts with me. We literally have been linking up for the past three years, um, and 
you know, we have a good relationship with how we hunt and we, you know, we explore new pieces of public land actually together. Um, so yeah. there's, you know, with that hunt link, it's not just, oh, you trade me private land hunting for, for your private land hunting or you trade me trophy elk for, you know, banded waterfowl. Like it just, it's way more than that of, I always look at it as like a dating app for hunters, <laughs> like with hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly and yeah like you were saying networking is huge you know everybody not maybe not everybody but a lot of so many people have this dream everybody who hunts you know if like i feel at least everybody in the service side community if you hunt you have such a passion for hunting that it's just like you would love to just just hunt and you know to in order to do that you have to do that networking stuff and if you want to you know if you want to be in a sense like a full-time hunter you know you just have to you have to put in the time you have to put in the the elbow grease and the time and just work hard at it just like anything else um you know i think it was michael waddell he got started he was a a cameraman he liked to hunt but he was a cameraman i believe i believe i have that correct if i don't i apologize if not it's somebody yeah, but I, I think it was him, but it might have been somebody else. Um, they started out as like a cameraman and then ended up, you know, starting to film hunts and stuff. I mean, and now I started like... out here as, as service side field staff. I mean, I I started out yeah. as a, a paying field staff member. I I was just like everyone else. Uh, still am, you know, not even though even though I, I work for service side now full time, I, I still am a normal person, always will be. The relationships that I have with everyone um, does hit that family level. And no one talks about that. We always hear, oh, join our field staff family. And hopefully, hopefully any of our partners that, uh, that do have field staff programs, this isn't a, a shot at you intentionally, but you know, I understand you got to sell product and that's how you make your money. And at the end of the day, you don't pay, you don't have lights on to work. So I understand all that. Right. I mean, we, we ourselves have a membership fee, but also, you know, you want to make sure that you do have that family. If you say you're going to have that family, have it with us. Anyone can hit me up anytime. Even when I'm busy, I'll eventually reach back out to them. You know, we make sure that, you know, our members, our family, our customers, quote unquote, um, you know, it goes literally farther than that. Those aren't the terms that we want to use. We want to, you know, you're a part of the team. Everyone contributes. Um, you know, we're a self-funded organization and we're able to do bigger and better things. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, that's what the overall goal is, is to educate and inspire. We want to inspire that guy that's never left his state ever to maybe go out West and try something. You know, we want to inspire that big game hunter that, you know, maybe he wants to try some waterfowl, but he's nervous about how to start. That's what that's what we want to do. And I think we do pretty well at it, and we always want to be better. So, um, you know, we've been around since 2011. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all, right, all there man. is to do it. But now well, that we went down that little yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah, we could, we could wrap it up. I'm going to drop my mic here. We could probably, uh, let me make a lot of noise and get this mic and drop so we could actually, um, technical difficulties, so we can, uh, we'll wrap this bad boy up, man. We could do a whole episode on service side, I'm sure. We'll have to do that eventually, especially when we meet up. Uh, me and you will uh, definitely do one of those, I want to do field podcasts. So in the yeah, field absolutely. while we're hunting or after or before, whatever. Absolutely, but, man. 
right, brother. Well, thanks again for jumping on, and uh, you guys are listening to White Tail Theories Podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.